Go out and get new Bibles. Y'all go get some new Bibles. We're not going to depend on Apple and Android for the word. All right. Let's do this confession over, over our, this word. You got it, media? Let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it, and I am never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We're going to confess over the Bible. I, I just, I just, you know, call me old school, but, but I, I'm, I'm a traditional conservative kind of person. I like Bibles. I like old songs. I like old music. I like, I like the old time way. We just sing a song, I'm going back to the old time way. And back then, we were in the old time way, I thought. And we were saying back then, I'm going back to the old time way. Glory to God. I don't need old time religion, but I do want the old time way. There's a way of doing things, and I like it. And I know I may be labeled a dinosaur by people, but I, I tell people now, dinosaurs are programmed by God. Robots were programmed by people. So if I'm a dinosaur, call me a dinosaur. I'm programmed by God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to read Isaiah 28, verse 16. You can remain seated. It says, It's therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. That's what we were on last Sunday. We're going to spend uh, use today to talk a little more about this subject here, Jesus Christ, the sure foundation. Jesus Christ, the sure foundation. God's word for his people today. I shared with you last Sunday that anything built without a sure foundation will eventually crumble and fall. And hopefully you're encouraged, even in that time, to know that if you've ever experienced uh, failure, in marriage or failure in your business or failure in your career or failure in your family or failure in ministry or failure in whatever, 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 uh, you can rebuild. The reason it failed was because it was not on a sure foundation. You got it? I can, I can uh, assess and evaluate for you and answer your questions right there. Why did my marriage fail? The foundation wasn't good. Why did my ministry fail? The foundation wasn't good. Why did my business fail? The foundation wasn't right. You see? Because if it has a good foundation, and what we'll talk about here in a few moments, a good cornerstone, it will succeed and it will last forever. So you don't have to be sitting there 10 years, 20 years later trying to figure out why did this fail? I'm telling you why. It's a foundation. 
So if, we, if I want to rebuild, I got to make sure I dig up whatever faulty foundation I had and lay a sure foundation. And I, I did, a, uh, at least we began last week to illustrate to you that the only sure foundation is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's a foundation that is already laid. So if you're going to build, don't lay another foundation. If you're going to build a marriage, if you're going to build a home, going to build a family, going to build a life, don't try some other foundation. I told you last week, you may not have believed me, but I'm telling you it's true. You can't build a marriage on love. That don't do it. <laughs> right? You got to build a marriage on Jesus. You can have love. Love is wonderful. But you know love is not required. I know a man. I know a man in, in, in Buffalo, New York. We see him every year uh, in the camp, camp meeting. I know a man who he and his wife had an arranged marriage from their culture, being Indian, not Native American, talking about from India, Indian. They had an arranged marriage. And uh, they've been married, it's, it's probably 20, 20 years or so. Which means when they got married, they didn't love each other. They probably didn't even know each other. It was arranged for them. Isaac... And Rebecca's marriage was arranged. Um, which means you don't have to have love for a good marriage. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Now that might make it easy to deal with folk. <laughs> Let's be for real. But the foundation, what's going to make it last you know, somebody, Keith Sweat had a song, Make it last forever. Oh, that boy couldn't sing with not a lick. But still, still selling out concerts today. Maybe not here, but he's selling out concerts. <laughs> Problem is, if you don't build it on Jesus, it will not last forever. It, I mean, I, I, saw, I saw an article yesterday. There's a, a famous person. I won't call her name. I don't want to embarrass her. A uh, famous person got married two weeks ago, and as of yesterday, she and the, and the husband split. Two weeks ago, they got married. Why? Foundation's bad from the beginning. So if you build on a good foundation, uh, you can get over lack of love. I, I fell out of love with you. It's all right. We can still make this work, right? All right. <laughs> so now, I'm not going to pick on marriage because that's not my focus today. But I'm talking about in any area of your life. I'm talking about in your ministry, in your business, in your career, in, in whatever you aspire to do. You have to get a foundation to build on that's solid that can stand the test of time, that can stand the storm and the rain. I, I shouldn't say rain. They can stand the storms because rain is good. Uh, that can stand the storms of life. Okay? Uh, there's a song we used to sing back in the day. I, when I, I, I try to look around and see if, if I can find old school people like me. Uh, 
we used to sing a song that says, in times like these. Remember that in times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Man, I, I got, Brother Jeff just walked in. I can have Jeff play that. See, some of these young guys, they don't, these young just don't know that. But Jeff, Jeff knows that kind of stuff. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Come on, say it. That rock is Jesus. He is the one. That rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid I love it. See, that's singing to me. See, that's singing to me. You know, I, I, I try to tell a praise team, this stuff, this little modern stuff, I don't like none of it. See, the songs written today, they're writing for a hit. The songs back then, they were being hit. Um, they were writing those songs because they, they were being hit. That, that, that's why this lady, this, this lady, this mother back in the, in the 1940s when she wrote that song, it, it, it was in, in the, uh, the beginning of World War II when she wrote that song, and, and we, she, it was troubled times. And she had to sing out of, out of, out of the, her hurt and her pain in times like these. We need a savior in times like these. We need an anchor. And it's, just, it's the same today. Be very sure. Tell your neighbor, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid. You couldn't leave this part out. That rock is Jesus. Woo! He is the one. That rock is Jesus. You would have lost your mind if it wasn't for that. The only one. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid. That rock is Jesus. He is the one. That rock is Jesus. The only one. So be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid. There is a solid rock that when you're going through the roughest times, see, some of y'all, if you've never been through a storm, you that don't mean anything to you, but if you've been through the storm, been through a test, been through a trial, been hit by the enemy, you know in your heart the only reason you're still alive today, the only reason you still have your right mind, the only reason you hadn't quit was because you had your anchor. 
Other folks lose their minds. Other folks walk out on God. But not you. Look at your neighbor and say, not you, not you. You held on. You too strong for that. You too strong for that. And when they say that, say, no, it ain't that I, that I was so strong. It's because I had an anchor. It's not because I was holding his hand. It's because he was holding my hand. You ought to give God one big shout if you know what I'm talking about. Now that song, I found out, was written, this lady, when she wrote that, her name was Mother Ruth Jones, she wrote that song based on the scripture 2 Timothy 3. I want you to turn on 2 Timothy 3 and see what was behind her writing this song. 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, hallelujah, because she wrote in times like these. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1 through 5, she wrote. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous, dangerous, precarious times will come. Have they come? For men will be lovers of themselves. Are we seeing it? Now, I gave you a name for that last week. Narcissism. Narcissistic society. Everything is about me. Lovers of money. What do we call that? Materialism. Materialism. Boasters and proud. Blasphemers. Blasphemers, we could say. Disobedient to parents. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Unthankful. Unholy, now just before you think about Hollywood and, and sports and all that stuff, he's talking about the church right here. He's not talking about folk outside because if, if, if outside he, he wouldn't say uh, people would become that, they, they've been that since the beginning. He's talking about people in church, he said, unthankful, unholy. Unloving, unforgiving. In other words, they 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 not they, they can't reconcile for nothing. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Look at this last one: lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now I gave you that last week. Lovers of pleasure were people who are humanists. It's what I, what I feel. It's all about what I think. All right? Notice verse 5. Look at verse 5. That's how we know we're talking about church folk. Having a form. Come on now. Form. Form. It looks like it, but it ain't it. <laughs> but denying its power. And notice what he said about your church folk. From such... People turn away. In other words, don't hang around church folk like this. But what about love? That's what love does. 
Love has to, uh, has to push, push, turn you over, turn you aside so, hey, you can deal with yourself, your stuff, and let's get this right. Because I learned from a wise lady one time, sometimes we can love folk right to hell. I'm not trying to do that, right? All right. Now, let's look at our, at our main scripture over here in Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. In times like these, we need a savior. We need an anchor. Because times like these are trying, uh, these times are not just trying on us in terms of uh, struggles or temptations, but these times are, are of, uh, on us are tough because the church is not looked on favorably. If, matter of fact, can, can I put that back on the screen, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, but show it to me in the Passion Translation. Show it to me in the Passion Translation, chapter, that same section there, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 1, in the Passion, and you'll see what I'm talking about as far as how the church has to deal with it. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. The culture of society will become extremely fierce. If you read that a little further, you dig into the, to the uh, passion and their explanation of it, they talk about towards a church. Okay? So we're not, a, not living in a church-friendly time. Would you agree with that? We're not living in a time where uh, people are high-fiving you because you go to church. <laughs> They're looking down on you because you go to church, right? All right. They, they think you're weak. Because you go to church. Church is just for weak people who need to dream about something. No. Sorry. All right. Now, Isaiah 28, I told you this last week. This chapter, uh, or this section here of, of Isaiah's writings, uh, Isaiah is talking to the peaceful. And he's saying to them, through the Spirit of God, that if you don't turn away from your stuff, you gonna, it's not going to be fruitful anymore, and it's not going to be peaceful anymore in your life. We're supposed to be fruitful. That name Ephraim came from God. Fruitful. Prophetically going to be fruitful. Uh, Jerusalem came from God. Going to be peaceful. But if you turn away from God, you're not going to be fruitful anymore and not peaceful anymore. And what happened? They prospered because of God's goodness. The Ephraimites, people, the Jews, people of Jerusalem, they prospered. And they increased. They overcame, they overcame, and then began to turn away from God. It sounds a lot like people I know who look a lot like us. Black History Month, and here we are, you know, we sang years ago, we shall overcome. Now it appears we have overcome, but in our overcoming, we got over God. Am I talking to the right people? In our overcoming, all of a sudden, the one who uh, delivered us, the one who brought us uh, all these wonderful luxuries, you know, before our people, we couldn't stay in any hotel. We couldn't go to any restaurant. We couldn't, we, we couldn't drink many water fountains. We couldn't sit anywhere in, in a room or any on a bus. or we, we couldn't go into any school. But now we can go to whatever school we want to, Ride on any part of the bus we want to. You ain't even got to ride on a bus. We can sit in the finest restaurant, stay in the nicest hotel. We can do whatever we want to. But now all of a sudden, we don't need God. Through our prosperity, 
We've forgotten about the one who prospered us. Everything about the civil rights movement was out of the church. There would have been no civil rights movement without Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He wasn't just doctor, he was Reverend Doctor. Reverend Jesse Jackson. Reverend Ralph Abernathy. The church. Reverend Clay Evans. See, it was, it was birthed in the church. Now, all of a sudden, we have overcome, and we don't need church. I got my money now. I got my prosperity. I can do what I need to do. Got my degree now from the most prestigious schools, and I, can, I don't need God anymore. And what God was saying to the, these people in chapter 28 was, your problem is, I'm the one that brought you out. It's, it's the same problem we have with the children of Israel all the way back in the book of Exodus. I brought you out, but when I brought you out, you forgot about me. And when you forgot about me, all of a sudden, now, now I have to move my hand from you. And now you start going backwards and not forward. Would you look at our people across America and surmise that it appears that we are not going forward, but we're going backward? It's not that God forgot about us. It's that we have forgotten about God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. He brought us over. He brought us out. Without his hand of favor, we wouldn't be where we are. So this was the warning shot. Woe to Ephraim. Woe to Jerusalem. He said, you've left your foundation. There's a scripture over in, in, uh, in uh, Psalm 11, verse 3, that says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? I thought it was so powerful, Robert and Pauline, when you all testified and you talked about, you know, your son watching and him being able to see, hey, this is what it is. See, you can't, you can't, be so, you know, we got to be these millennials. You can't be so millennial that now you, you well, we, we serve God a different way. See, you remove the ancient landmarks your fathers have set. We're millennials. That doesn't give you the right to move the landmarks our fathers have set. Well, I'm generation Z and Y and ZZ and TT, and that does not give you TT generation the right to move the landmarks our fathers have set. It's different now. We have different needs. No, your needs are still the same. But right, you, you have, what you've done is you've done the opposite of Romans 12. You have conformed to this world. I mess with church folks. Some of y'all, a lot of y'all young folk look at me like y'all mad. I'm just going to tell you, don't let them tell you how to serve God. Don't let them tell you what's appropriate for serving and worshiping your God. God set requirements. God set standards. Here is how you ought to worship me. Here is how you ought to sing to me. Here is how you ought to approach me. 
He said it. You can't reset what he said. Because it's 2020. You do that, and you're going to end up in a mess. Go, go back to 20, 28 verse, uh, I think, 7 we looked at last week. Remember 28 verse 7? Look at what it says. It says, but they have also erred. They also have erred through wine. Erred make, it means make a mistake, right? You know what err means? Make a mistake. Through wine, through intoxicating drink, are out of the way. Right? Now, I talked about that last Sunday about people getting into the drinking. Now, I, I, I wasn't trying to teach on drinking. I'm teaching on the fact that you can get intoxicated because when you see wine here, that it's indicative not just of wine, alcohol, the drink, but the world system. The same way when we talk about the new wine of the spirit, it's about spiritual things. So this wine here is about earthly things. So you and I, we may talk about, you know, the, the wine-o and the alcoholic, but what about your Instagram-aholic self? And what about your uh, YouTube-aholic self? And what, y'all hear what I'm saying? You can get intoxicated on all kind of stuff. It ain't got to be in a bottle or in a, in a pill. <laughs> Some folks just shooting up Facebook, just sh shooting up. Not that Facebook or Instagram is evil, because there's nothing evil of itself, but you can become intoxicated with something. You can get intoxicated with your, your, uh, your, your boo. Don't, you should never be crazy in love. Crazy in love. You don't, don't ever be crazy. Because if you get crazy in love, you're going to be doing crazy stuff. Tell, you, tell your neighbor that. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't ever be crazy in love now. Keep your mind right. Keep your eyes wide open. I know, know your nose open, but keep your eyes wide open. Because you crazy in love, they'll be doing stuff and your crazy stuff don't even recognize what they're doing. They're just using and abusing you, but you crazy in love. Don't ever be crazy in love. <laughs> See, it's more than just a drink. I mean, everybody plays a fool sometime, but don't be crazy in love. I'm crazy about you, girl. I'm crazy about you. No, no, I ain't never been crazy about nobody. I like you. I love you, but I'm not crazy. To keep my mind. Next thing I know, I don't sign all over my accounts to you, and you look, I look up, and you gone. So you can be drunk on the world, right? And notice what he said here, the priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. So it happens in the, in, the, in the high ranks of the church. It's entirely true. I mean, I, I, I get so, I don't want to use the word discouraged, but I get so oh, disturbed, thank you, honey. Disturbed when I see what's going on in the church, man, the, among the preachers and the prophets and the apostles and the pastors and the teachers. Like, 
What are y'all doing? Have you forgotten God? What are you preaching? What are you wearing? Bruh, bruh. Everybody don't need to be seeing all that. Put your little taco meat away, man. I'm about to be seeing your taco meat while you're trying to preach. You know, you know, I'm saying it's like, wow, bro. <laughs> but why? What's happened? What's happened? What's happened is, is what the Lord said to me earlier this week. People have to stardom, not kingdom. Drunk on themselves, drunk on fame, drunk on, on the world. And so if, if that's what's happening in the preachers, and now they're leading the people, what do you think is going to happen to the people? So they're out of the way to intoxicate and drink. They, they err in vision. They stumble in judgment. So because they err in vision, they can't see straight. They can't think straight. And if you can't think straight, you can't talk straight for sure. The Bible says your mouth will utter strange things. So you can't think straight because you can't see straight. And because you can't think straight, you can't talk straight. You can't walk straight. They stumble. Now, we didn't read the next verse last week, but look at verse 8. Look at what verse 8. Look, look at how God sees the church. For all the tables are full now, I don't know how many of you have been around drunk people. I'm talking about naturally. I'm talking about naturally. I mean, drunk, drunk. I ain't talking about like they just, you know, got a little buzz. I'm about they drunk, drunk, like they just can't function, drunk, drunk. I have been around drunk, drunk people before, and I've seen them where it's just, oh, God, they just vomit everywhere, wet their clothes. I'm like, bro, what is wrong with you? You a grown man on PD or clothes, man. What you doing? Vomit everywhere. I'm like, dude. And I ain't cleaning that up. <laughs> Sorry. You, you sober up, you clean it up. No, I ain't got to do with that. And yet this is what God saw in his people. Set all your little tables. Your sacrifice tables are full of vomit and filth. No place is clean. Now, now think about this. Think about this. You ever go into a, to a restaurant and walk, I know this is me and my wife, all the kids all the time, walk in the restaurant and you're like, ain't no, ain't no place clean. You're like, where, where, where you want to sit? Okay, we, oh no, not there. No, not, not there. And, oh, dog. Yeah, let me get that to go. That's how I was. That's right, I ain't gonna call them by the names. So, so you'll find no place clean. You don't, you don't want to sit there, right? And once you realize it's clean, you don't want to visit there, right? Huh? So God, when he looks down and sees the table full of vomit and no place clean, what makes us think he wants to come and sit? So that's what you got to do. You got to put up smoke machines, and lights, camera, action, and make people think that they're in the presence of God. But it's, it's, it's manufactured smoke, Barbara. It's, it's, it's not Shekinah glory. I, we were watching one thing on YouTube yesterday. I was like, oh, baby, it's a whole church full of smoke. Why they got that? How people ain't, they, <coughs> used to 
me coughing. I am going to smoke in that church. Why? Because they have to manufacture. They have to make, they have a form of godliness. They have to make it look like God is here. Oh, wasn't he here? He was here, and y'all just walked around the church like that? I mean, the power of God hit, and y'all just, all right, good, good, you know, God bless y'all, go home. What? You can't, you can't be in the presence of God and, and get up without staggering. What's happening? God said, I'm not visiting that. I'm not coming down there. I see here old folks say, God will not dwell in an unclean temple. How many of y'all heard that growing up? God will not dwell in an unclean temple. God's not going to visit any place that's not clean. Amen. But I declare in this house, we ain't going to have no vomit everywhere, no filth everywhere. This is going to be a clean house because we're going to be a clean people. Not being intoxicated with the world. I don't want nothing the world has. I'm not moved, attracted by the world, by anything they have. You can have all your mess. Now, let's keep going here. What's happening is we found in, in, the, in the world, we know this is true in the world, but it's happened too often in the body of Christ, people are trying to build on faulty foundations. But there's only one foundation that's sure, and that's God and his word. Now, I want you to put on the screen for me, please. You can turn to your Bibles. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19 in the King James Version. It's very important we see this in the King James Version. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Now, if you're going to build on stardom, if you're going to build on personality, if you're going to build on, on, on love, <laughs> if you're going to build on all other kind of stuff, that's not, a, that's not a foundation that's going to stand sure. But the foundation of God stands sure, and it says having this seal, which means the foundation has this written on it. It's inscribed. So whatever God uh, builds, you know, uh, Psalm 127, I think it is, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Yeah. Psalm 127, verse 1, except the Lord, Jehovah Bana, build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So you can build all you want, but if the Lord ain't behind it, it's in vain. It's going to crumble and fall. Got it? So we have to build with, with the Lord in mind. So go back now to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verse 19, which says the foundation of God stands sure having this signature on it. Anybody build a house today, a lot of times they want to go and write something in the, in the concrete before it dries, right? So God signs the foundation. And here's how he signs it. The Lord knows them that are his. Say that. The Lord knows. Say it again. So for him to say that implies there are some who think they're his and they're not. He says the Lord knows them that are his. And he says and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity. 
So if you're going to say I'm, I'm named by Christ, I'm a Christian, then his command is to leave iniquity. You got it? So I can't uh, let iniquity abound and, be, and talk about I'm named in, by the name of Christ. Y'all quiet, it's all right. I've got to depart from iniquity. Now notice, I want to, I want to just take 30 seconds to deal with this. Iniquity and sin aren't the same thing. Sin is action. Iniquity is the motivation in the heart behind it. So he said depart iniquity, not depart sin, depart iniquity. If you can get rid of iniquity, you can get rid of sin. Iniquity is what's behind all, of, all the sin. It's, it's to be unequal with God. I don't, I don't, my heart doesn't match God. In, iniquity is an old, old English word for inequity. So I got to clean it up. I got to get this heart right. That's why, that's the reason David, after David was found in sin, he said, God, he didn't say, God, just forgive my sin. He said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. I need my heart and my spirit right before you. Because if I get my heart right, I can get my actions right. Got it? So he said, this is the foundation of God. So I got to depart from iniquity. Mm -hmm. The Lord knows them that are his. Tell your, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. The Lord knows. You might can fake me out. <laughs> turn, turn over to Matthew 7. No, I ain't here. God knows all y'all. I believe it. I'm believing. I'm believing everybody here. God knows you. Go to Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7, 21. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Watch this. Everybody, this is written in red, Chris. So this is the words of Jesus, right? Now watch what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Me too. <laughs> I, I was alarmed when I read that first time. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Lord, 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 Lord. Oh, Lordy, Lord, you know. But he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Huh? So you can, just because you're in church don't mean you're going to heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Let's keep going, please. Verse 22. 22. Hallelujah. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, <laughs> have we not, what? Prophesied in your name? Prophesied in your name? Prophesied in your name? Prophesying? You mean you can be prophesying? Cast out demons in your name? Casting out demons? He said, and done many wonders. Now these aren't your just average, you know, visit church once a month, you know, New Year's, Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. This, these are people like, hey, I'm working on the Lord's side. But they're religious. He says, the people say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this in your name? In your name? In your name? In your name? Now watch what he says in verse 23, his answer. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
So he says there are people who will be prophesying in his name, casting out devils in his name, doing wonders in his name. He said, I have no clue who you are. I never knew you. Now, are you telling me Jesus doesn't know people's names? No, that's not what I'm saying. He knows everybody on this planet. That word knew is an intimate word to know. Gnosto, it's in the Greek. It means to know intimately. I know you know you. I never knew you because you never knew me. You just knew my name. And my name has power. So when you were prophesying in my name, it carried power. When you were casting out demons in my name, my name has power. When you were doing wonders in my name, yeah, because my name has power. So you were doing stuff for me, but you never got to know me. In the King James, he says, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. King James says, you worker of iniquity. So you were doing these things, but in your, your heart was corrupt. Oh, y'all hear me here. Well, this, this, is, this is good right here. This, this kind of song, uh, Brother Jeff, we used to sing back in the old days, time like this. My Lord's getting us ready for that great day. My Lord's getting us ready for that great day. My Lord's getting us ready for that great day. Watch this. Who shall be able to stand? You know that. Who shall be able to stand? See, because we all going to see that great day. But who shall be able to stand? See, and if you have, not, not, I, I just want to believe I'm not talking about anybody here. But if you, you can do these great wonders in his name and not know him, then he's going to say, depart from me. Get away from me. Depart. Get away. You read some modern translations say, get, get away from me. <laughs> Go on about your business. Ask your neighbor, does the Lord know you? Ask somebody else on the other side, does the Lord know you? See, because I want to make sure before you leave the day here that the Lord knows you and you know him. You don't just know his name and he doesn't just know your name, but you know him and he knows you intimately. <laughs> he said, I'm going to say that day, depart from me, I didn't know you. y'all grew up Pentecostal. Another song we used to say right in time like this. Nikki, you know this one. Tell me what do you want the Lord to say? What do you want the Lord to say? Oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the Lord. Oh, y'all just saying that too? That's what I want the Lord to say. We sung it right. That's what I want the Lord to say. Oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the Lord. See, y'all had etiquette. Y'all had, had hymn books. Y'all were educated. We, we just, we sung it from the heart.
My question to you right now is, what do you want the Lord to say? When you face him, do you want him to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity? I never knew you. Or do you want him to say, well done? Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to hear him say, well done. I don't want my living to be in vain. I don't want my serving to be in vain. I don't want my giving to be in vain. I don't want all that I've done for all these years, been walking with God 31 years. I don't want all that to be in vain. I'm not preaching just because Y'all are listening. I'm preaching because I want you saved. I want you sanctified. I want your Holy Ghost filled. I want you walking with God. I want you having victory. So don't, don't come to church just because, well, it's Sunday. I got to put my time in. No, come to church and hear the word of God. Allow the Holy Ghost to correct, straighten out, purge me, Lord. Purge me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. Make me clean. Make me whole, Lord. I want to be right. I want to be saved. I want to be whole. Somebody shout one good time in here. Lord, I'm glad I'm in a church like this. Don't let me go along thinking I'm right and I ain't right. My daddy used to say this deep. My daddy used to say, hell is too hot. And eternity is just too long. Tell your neighbor, hell is too hot. And eternity is just too long. Tell two other people, hell is too hot. And eternity is just too long. Tell somebody else. I, I can't afford to go to hell. I don't want to go to jail. Let me tell you something. I am too good looking for jail. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm too cute, Robert. I just wouldn't last in jail, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, they, man, I got pulled over the other night. I did, I ain't gonna lie. Matter of fact, I'm not gonna tell it. Man, I got pulled over the night, man. Whew. Boy, my heart was beating so fast. My heart was racing, boy. It was like. Because, you know, first of all, you know, in this climate we live in, you see an officer come behind you. You already, you know, knowing my, my makeup here, I'm already kind of a little on edge, you know what I'm saying? And, and then. I don't want no ticket, and I don't want no foolishness. Because I just, I just, I can't go to jail now. I ain't doing it. Anybody been there? God bless you. You are, you are a champion. I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't make it. So I definitely don't want to go to hell where it's too hot and it's eternity. 
So I, I don't want my living to be in vain. Tony, can you imagine being in church 40 years and go to hell? Is my living in vain? See, I knew y'all would go bad right there. This, that's why I stopped. I stopped. No! We know that part. Of course not. All right, now. Go to Matthew 7. Let's go, go back there to verse 24. Verse 24. 24. Now, this is Jesus. He just talked about uh, the one depart from me. But look, at he keeps going. Verse 24. Therefore, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Or we could say a solid or a sure foundation. So there's a guy who can build his house on, a, on, a, on the rock. Now keep going, please, verse 26. And the rain descended, verse 25, right, thank you. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. So just because you're built on a, on a good foundation doesn't exempt you from rain descending, which is okay, but floods come and winds blow and beat on your house. That means there's a storm that came with that. So I'm not telling you that you're going to be exempt from storms. I know this is a faith church. We preach the word of faith. But I'm not telling you that you're not going to experience storms. Because they will come. Though the storm keep on raging in my life. I feel a song spirit today. And sometimes it's hard to tell a night from day. Still the hope that lies within is reassured. As I keep my eyes upon the distant shore, I know he lead me safely to that place he has repaired. Okay, all right, let me keep going. But watch this. On the rock now, and it did not fall, and it did not fall, and it did not fall, it did not fall, it did not fall, for it was founded. So, you know what a storm looks like. You've been through one. But it did not fall because of what it was built on. Next verse, 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, so far, the difference we have is a wise man and a foolish man. Rock and sand, but everything else is the same. I'm going to assume deep they had one blueprint, one set of plans. So they built the same kind of house. You built your marriage, I built my marriage. You built your house, I built my house. You built your ministry, I built my ministry. You built your business, I built my business. Everything else is the same. I'm wise, you're foolish. Or you wise, I'm foolish. Whichever one you want to be. <laughs> and watch this, the same storm. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
The difference is it wasn't the storm. The difference wasn't the house. The different was, difference was the foundation. So the only difference in this whole story is the foundation. So that's why you got to make sure whatever you build is, on, is built on a solid foundation. So my question for you is, is your foundation stormproof? That's a question you got to ask yourself. Whatever you're building right now, is your foundation stormproof? Not as your house. Because it's not about the house. It's about the foundation. That was the only difference in the story, right? So is my foundation stormproof? <laughs> Anybody ever been through a, through a divorce? You know, you know the trauma of that. You know the pain of that. I know the pain of that. I've been through it myself. But if you ever decide, well, you know, I'm going to jump back in the ring again. You know, some, some people, <laughs> some people been through it and said, that's it. I'm done. I ain't doing that no more. And be by myself. Well, praise the Lord. That's your, that's your choice. That's your choice. But somebody might say, well, no, I want to, I'm not against marriage. I'm just against that. Uh, <laughs> just against that person, whatever. Right? So I'm just going to make sure this time I'm going to build on the foundation that's right. Or if you're going through it right now and it hadn't, it's, it's still there, I got to go back and make sure I get the right foundation. If your business is struggling, you ain't got to let it fold. Don't let the business fail. Just go back and shirt the foundation up with Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion, for among the living there is hope. It is better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Let's ponder that for a second. It's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. For among the living, there is hope. So if whatever you have is still living, there's still hope. That's why Revelation, Jesus says, strengthen that which remains. So if there, there's still a little flicker there, you can still make it. We can make, we, we can make this last forever now, for real. Because we're going we gonna to go back and get the foundation right. We got some hope here. Tell your neighbor, there's still hope. Thank you. For the, but for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion. You got it? There's still some hope. Still some hope. Praise the Lord. I'm not desperate. Still some hope. I'll wait on it. I ain't dead yet. Oh, that's good right there. I ain't dead yet. See, that's a, that's, I know that don't sound like a great, great confession, but that is. I ain't dead yet. So if I ain't dead, it's some hope. 
Because the devil wants to convince you that everything you have in your life has failed and it's irretrievable. No, the Lord says as long as you're still living, there's hope. All right, now, let's make sure we get it right here. Isaiah 28, 16. Let's go back there. Isaiah 28, our main verse, verse 16. Oh, man. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Now, if you go through the verse, first 15 verses, he's talking about all the woes. Whoa, I'm warning y'all. And you got some bad stuff that could be happening. So I'm going to give you some good news here in verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes, we can put in there, imply in him, will not act hastily. You won't make any sudden moves. Some people get married suddenly without a good foundation. Some people get divorced suddenly without a good foundation. Some people start a business suddenly. Some people quit a business suddenly. Some people go to school suddenly. Some people drop out suddenly. Hasty decisions because they don't have the foundation set right. So when your foundation is set right, you don't make any hasty sudden moves. Even if you get hit, bam, you stop and say, okay. Let me, let, me, let me regroup right here before I make any permanent decisions of a temporary circumstance. Before I make permanent decisions of temporary circumstances, let me hold on for a second and think. Let me not act hastily. Sit down for a minute. Let me cool my jets. I understand emotional reaction. I understand it. I understand it. You somebody punching your gut. You what? What? You you better be gone before I get my gat. You better be gone before I get my. You better be gone before I get my gat. You better get up out of here before I get my gat. Ain't that right, D? Don't 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 let me get to the closet. Don't let me. <laughs> Well, let me get that drawer right there. If I get in that drawer right there, you there's gonna be some hot leg coming through your backside. No, you can't do that. You gotta woosaw. Let me hold on. And and think about what I'm doing here. Go back to my foundation. So he said, this is what he's laying for us. So you and I don't have to be hasty. Now notice, let's look at what it says here. He said that I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. So the stone he lays, this is Jesus Christ, for a foundation. So everybody say a foundation. foundation. So Jesus Christ is the sure foundation. Okay? Sure foundation. All right? Now look, look, look at this. It says a tried stone. Everybody say a tried stone. stone. Jesus Christ is the tried stone. Tried. In other words, Jesus Christ, who is the word, he's been tested and proven. If you're going to build something, you're going to build off something that's been proven. Don't work with something that had been proven. You and I aren't supposed to be living experimental lives. 
I'm too old to be, when I say, oh, I'm young, I'm young, but I'm saying, maybe when I was three, I could experiment, but when I'm 48, I can't be experimenting. <laughs> People get, they go to college, they go to college, they start experimenting stuff. Experiment with drugs, experiment with this, experiment with frats, experiment with their little stuff, experiment with all, experiment with opposite sex, experiment with the same sex, people experiment all kind of stuff, and they out there doing crazy stuff. I can't be experimenting. I gotta know it, I gotta go at what's proven. <laughs> I, know, I know the outcome. That's exactly right. When it's proven, I, I can now have an expected outcome. So it says, He is then a tried stone. Remember the story uh, in 1 Samuel when, in 1 Samuel 17, David was getting ready to fight, go against Goliath, the giant. Remember that? And David wasn't afraid to fight. The army was afraid to fight. Saul the king was afraid to fight. But David said, let me at him. And Saul, like, who you think you are, boy? You're just a little young boy. This giant been fighting since he was a young boy. You're just still a young boy. He said, I can, I can go. I can, I can do He said, because this man, he said, this is some uncircumcised Philistine. He's not in covenant with God. We're in covenant with God. My covenant outranks all his height, all his weight, all his experience. I got a covenant with God. So then David, the Bible says, he goes before Saul, and Saul says, okay, well, if you're going to go, son, God be with you. Put on my armor. Because David didn't have any armor. All David had was a bag of some cheese and some grits and stuff like that. He's going to give his brothers, right? So, so he says, put on my armor. Put on my armor and go out there and fight Goliath. So David said, I cannot use. Now, it's been, this has been taught wrong. This has been taught wrong. And the church preachers have taught that David didn't wear the armor because it didn't fit him. But the Bible never said the armor didn't fit him. David said, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. I'm not going to go and face the biggest battle I've ever had in my life. I fought a bear once. Without this. I fought a lion once. Without this. Go out now and face the biggest fight I've ever seen in my life with something I have not proven. And the devil wants to trick you into facing your biggest fights with something you've never proven. No, baby. Go with the same one who got you through the bear, the same one who saved you from the lion, the same one who healed your body, the same one who saved your soul, the same one who brought you out. Stick with him because he's proven. David said, keep, keep your little armor. I've not proven that. I'm going to go with what I got. What I got, this little slingshot in my pocket in the name of the Lord. So he went up before Goliath. Said, Goliath? Yeah, he ran up to him. He said, Goliath, you come against me with swords and spears and knives and all your mess, all your man-made, manufactured stuff. But I come against you in the name of of the Lord. So the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So when you face your biggest battle, your biggest enemy, don't come, don't come with some other thing. Don't bring out your degree. Don't bring out your last name. Don't bring out your sorority. Bring out, no, I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, I'm delivered. In the name of Jesus, I'm set free. In the name of Jesus. 
The Bible says he is a tried stone. You want to know how I know he tried? Because I done tried him. We used to sing a song back in the old days, try Jesus. Oh, he's all right. Try Jesus. Oh, he's all right. Try Jesus. Oh, he's all right. I done tried him. Anybody here ever tried Jesus? Did he come through for you? Did he make a way for you? Did he bring you out? Did he make a way out of no way? Well, don't try nothing else. How far somebody and tell him I tried Jesus and he's all right. I tried him. I tried him and I know him. Found him to be a friend. I tried him in the midnight hour. I tried him when I didn't have no money. I tried him when I was sick in my body. I tried him and he made a way out of no way. He always come through for me. I tried him. I tried him. Don't bring me no new math. I don't need no new math trying to figure this out. I tried Jesus. Sit down. I got seven minutes. He said, a tried stone. He's the tried stone. The tried, the proven stone. The same stone that Daniel tried. When, oh Jesus, when Daniel was thrown down into the lion's den. Daniel was supposed to be the meal for the lions. But what the king and the people didn't know was that when you call on Jesus, when you call on the Lord, he'll get in the thing with you. And all night long, Daniel was able to lay his head on a tried stone and slept right through it. The Hebrew boys tried him. He showed up. They ain't trying nothing else. Don't, don't be no fool and try something different. I'm going to try this new way. This, this millennials, we got a new way. No, 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 no. Millennials, go with the tried stone. Don't, 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 don't try no humanism, no secularism. Don't try no, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's this thing uh, they got uh, uh, coexisting. No, we're not coexisting. I, 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 I can't depend on your little circle. I can't depend on your little emblem. But I can go to the rock. I know he's able. Where do I go? I go to the rock. I know the cross. Sit down. A tried stone. Oh, Jesus. I got to hurry. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, as for God. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. So he's a tried stone. Number two, he said, a precious cornerstone. A precious cornerstone. So Jesus Christ is the precious cornerstone. Now, uh, I don't know how many of y'all know about building, 
But one of the things, the very first thing people have to do when they're going to build is they got to dig footers. Am I right? Y'all help me out this with this. Some, we got some concrete experts in here. They dig footers. They, they lay a foundation. But then before they start to erect that building, if it's, a, if it's a masonry building, they have to put up something called a cornerstone. Now that cornerstone is the single most important stone in that whole building. Because that cornerstone is going to determine the, the direction, the path, horizontally and vertically for that building. So it take a lot of time to make sure that, stone, that cornerstone is properly placed and it's level. Because all the other stones, every other stone will be set by that stone. So if the, if the cornerstone is, is not right, then the other stones will not be right. If the cornerstone is leaning, all the other stones will be leaning. So the Bible says that he's made Jesus Christ a precious cornerstone. Y'all getting this? Cornerstones establish vertical and horizontal guidelines. Vertical, horizontal guidelines. So the cornerstone sets a vertical guideline. That means I, by the cornerstone, I know how to relate upwards to God. If my building is built right with a chief cornerstone, my building, whatever I'm building, we relate to God properly, vertically, properly, vertically. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way. Not a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you don't have a chief cornerstone right, you cannot relate to God right. You cannot get to God through Buddha. You cannot get to God through Confucius. You cannot get to God through Hinduism. You cannot get to God through Mormonism. You cannot get to God through Confucianism. You must get to God through Christ, the chief cornerstone. And contrary to popular modern theology, there are not many ways to God. I don't care who tells you that. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So if I'm going to relate to God properly, I've got to have the chief cornerstone in place. But I told you, the chief cornerstone not only makes sure that you have proper vertical relationship, but it makes you have proper horizontal relationship. So if you don't have the chief cornerstone in your life, there's no way you can relate to me properly. Y'all don't want to hear that. There's no way you can relate to other people properly. You know, John 3.16, Jesus said, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First John 3.16 First John 3.16 Put it on the screen. Put First John 3.16 By this we know love because he laid down his life for us vertically 
And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So if I don't have that chief cornerstone in place, how in the world can I relate to you properly? So somebody who does not have Jesus Christ in their life, it's impossible for them to love you properly or to treat you properly. They can't. Why? Because they're not the chief cornerstone. That's why you don't make the, make the mistake of going out there and dating and marrying somebody who ain't in the body of Christ. <laughs> You're already starting out with a bad. <laughs> You're going to be bad from the jump. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 20. I got to hurry. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. 1 Peter 2 verse 7 says this. To you who believe, Jesus is precious. He's precious. But to the ones who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So no question about it who this chief cornerstone is. He's rejected by men. But he's received by us. We believe. So he's precious. He's precious. Everybody say he's precious. So he's a tri-stone, a precious cornerstone. Lastly said, he's a sure foundation. He's a sure foundation. Sure foundation literally means able to hold up, is able to withstand anything. That's what it means to be a sure foundation, able to hold up under or to withstand anything. Now, in the Hebrew, and I don't think I gave this to the media, but I want you to just hear it. The word sure, when it says sure foundation, the word sure is the Hebrew word yasad, yasad, Y-A-C-A-D, which means foundation. Then the word foundation is the word musad, M-U-W-C-A-D. Oh, they do have it, which means foundation. So it literally means he is a founded foundation. Or he's an established foundation. So that's why it says no other foundation can be laid than that which is already laid, and that is Jesus Christ. He's a sure foundation. That you never have to worry about him uh, crumbling. It's proven. Found a foundation. So why would you do anything else? Put up Psalm 1831 on the screen, please. Psalm 18, verse 31. For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? Who is a rock? Now, interesting here it says who is a rock. It didn't say who is the rock. It says who is a rock except our God. When you read it in that terms, that means that nobody else is even a rock. He says, who is a rock except our God? That means nothing else and no one else is even a rock. They're imitators. <laughs> that means you can't build on government. You can't build on your job. You can't build on anything or anybody else that man made. Who is a rock? Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2. 
Woo-wee. Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. If you ever find your situation, find yourself in a situation, this is what you do. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. Keep going. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed. Now, lead me to the rock. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation before where you felt overwhelmed. i just do a quick survey. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Your heart was pretty overwhelmed. Here's what you do when you're in that situation. Is you say, God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. In other words, a place elevated enough where the flood, the storm cannot overwhelm me any longer. And there's a place that God will take you. And it's in the Lord. It's in God. It's in his word. He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God wants to raise you up. We used to sing another song. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table and still praying as, huh? What? Oh, y'all don't know that one? Well, that's how y'all sung it. I on bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's how we used to sing it. See, you should have gone to my church. You'd have been better off. All right, let me read this last, last verse. Everybody say last verse. last verse. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ. See, this, this is how you know when you have a rock, a sure foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the same, come on, yesterday, today, and forever. So it doesn't matter if it's 1920, 2020, 2120, he's still the same. So you don't try anything different. Everything else will fail. You know how I know? I've proven that already. I've proven it for myself, Tony. I've proven it where I tried other stuff and it failed. I got enough experience to stop experimenting with other stuff. So when I preach to you, I'm preaching from experience. Just try Jesus. Just stand on the rock of Jesus. He is the only sure foundation. All we sang last week, all of the ground is sinking sand. So stand on Jesus. This world is trying to allure you, and much of the church is falling victim to it, into building things on sand and being deceived, drawn out, and lives fall apart, uh, marriages fall apart. And I, I wish I was talking about just the congregation, I'm talking about even the leadership. Church is falling apart. It's, it's, but it doesn't have to. 
And I'm believing God for you that it won't have to, it doesn't happen in your life ever again. That what you've heard these last two Sundays will be enough to, to get you to reevaluate, reassess, redig, replant, sure up everything, and know that your lives will uh, when you got a good foundation, a solid foundation, you can go sky high. And that's what God wants his people, to build skyscrapers in your life for his kingdom. For his kingdom. Hallelujah. Y'all receive that today? Can you give God a big praise for the word of God today? Come on, you can do better than that. Give the Lord a praise, not me. Give the Lord a praise for, for his word in this place this morning. Lord, we're thankful to you today for the word that we've received. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ is the sure foundation, that he is a precious cornerstone. He is proven, proven, proven. He is the Lord uh, for us, everlasting to everlasting. That he's the one that when the storms hit, that because of him and the foundation that he provides, that you provide for us, that our lives don't have to crumble. God, we can look back and testify, every one of us, I'm sure, of some time in our life where we experienced and dealt with a storm that would have overwhelmed us if it had not been for you upholding us. If it had not been for your word already being in our spirits, thinking that your word is proven, your word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We have so much to glorify you about, so much to magnify you about, Father. Because, God, as I look back even over my, over my life, God, I'm so thankful for every time that your word and you, and you held me up. God, every one of us in this room today can attest to that same thing that has been your word, your spirit that's kept us together. Now I'm praying that, Lord, anyone in this room who has um, had iniquity in their hearts or anyone in this room, Father, who's been doing anything and just hadn't been basing everything off you and your word and for your kingdom, that, God, today would be a day of uh, repentance. Today would be a day of um, removal of things that are not like you, Father. And that today will be a day that they decide to give their whole hearts to you forever. I pray for that one who's in a rocky place right now, in a real rocky place in their life, that God, today will be the day that they receive their confirmation from you, Lord, that if they will simply build on the rock of Jesus, that everything guaranteed will be made just fine. God, today we repent for turning our minds, our hearts, our eyes to anything else but Jesus. Forgive us for not making Jesus Christ the very centerpiece of all our attention. Forgive us for letting uh, worldly mindsets creep in, even to the church or into our lives. And we repent of that and say, Lord, we want to make sure that we're uh, focused on Jesus and all that he has done, all that he's provided, and all that he will do, and all that you require us to do 
for your kingdom's sake. Now today, bless us in all that we, uh, everything that we set out to do. God, as you lead us and guide us, we trust your, your Holy Spirit to strengthen us with might in our inner man that you'll build us up and help us to become all that you've called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.